The 2023 regular season is almost over. Which top prospects might debut between now and October? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked and MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I want this to be your show. If you have show ideas, questions for our Monday mailbag, tons of ways to get them to us. Best is probably our subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. We've seen a ton of prospect debuts this year, and obviously our friend James Bailey is going to have the book that comes out about it, but there's a couple guys that are top prospects, top 100 guys, that we haven't seen yet that we may still see this year. And uh, for the first segment, I want to talk about a couple arms that could impact divisional races and or wildcard races down the road. The Los Angeles Dodgers have built the second largest division league in baseball. As of Monday, they are eight and a half games up on the San Francisco Giants in the NL West, and they're doing it with a lot of rookies in their rotation. And between that and the fact that this is something that they like to do as far as bringing up prospects and uh, pitching prospects and putting them into a relief role to ease them into the bigs, I think a guy to watch is going to be Nick Frosso. Right-handed pitcher, 2024th rounder by the Blue Jays. One of the few, what feels like what's traded in the Mitch White deal back to Los Angeles. And this year has been in double-A Tulsa, which you remember how ungodly amazing that double-A Tulsa rotation was before all those guys started getting promoted. But in 19 games in double-A, two and four with a 4-1-8 ERA in 64 and two-thirds innings, 84 strikeouts, so 11.7 per nine, to 19 walks, 2.6 per nine, three home runs allowed. Now, there's obviously some stuff to love in the profile. You look at um, 31.7% CSW, that's called strikes plus whiffs. The average in that AA league, I tried to isolate and take out the Southern League from all of these stats because, again, with the baseballs, the Southern League's kind of skewed. The average in that league is 28.7%. So above average on called strikes plus whiffs. A lot of that is fueled by his success at inducing swinging strikes. He's at Frosso's at 15.4% on swinging strikes, where the average in that league is 13.1. Nick Frosso's got swinging miss stuff. And specifically, a lot of this is built around the fastball. He has a really long frame, 6'5". And he's throwing this fastball, tons of spin, so it stays up in the zone, really good carry up in the zone, and it's in the upper 90s. It's, it'll sit anywhere from 95 to 100, depending on how deep in the outing he is or what he's trying to do with it. But he also has, because of the long wingspan, he, he has almost seven feet of extension as well. So it plays up off of the already very good velocity, very impressive fastball for Nick Frosso, and because of that, he uses it a lot. It's got some late run to it as well. It is, he consistently gets swings and misses with that fastball. To go along with it, he's got a slider that is, it sits in the mid-80s, 
and the shape will fluctuate a bit. It'll be, sometimes it'll be a, a more traditional slider with some kind of some hard, sharp, late break to it. And sometimes it's more of a sweeper. And we've seen Los Angeles pitchers throw either. I think what I'd probably prefer for him to do would be to pick one or the other. It, like I said, it fluctuates back and forth. And so because of that, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't walk a ton of guys, but he doesn't quite have that consistency that I would love on it. And so I want to see him pick one of those two. And if it's me, I'm probably picking the traditional slider so that you can get it a little bit faster. It's hard. The sweepers end up settling in the low to mid 80s. You can, especially if you're throwing this hard on the fastball, you can throw your slider a traditional slider in the upper 80s, 87 or something like that. Uh, because he also has a changeup, has some good fade to it, doesn't have great command of it, but gives you things that move in either direction. And I think if you do a faster slider, that gives you the ability to separate the velocity bands between the slider and the changeup so that you have, like we talked about, you have three different directions, you have three different speeds so that it's easier to mix and match to figure out how I'm going to get it hit or out. Now, there are some concerns about, is he going to be a starter or a reliever? And so I think cutting him into a, uh, a, a shorter relief stint as a test, you're going to see how that stuff plays up. He, his highest pitch count of the season out of his, what is it, uh, 19 starts, his highest pitch count is 77 pitches. He has not, according to box scores, he has not once gotten an out in a sixth inning this year. He's only made it through five full innings three times out of those 19 games. And all of those were around that 75-77 limit as far as pitch count. And so there's questions about because of the stuff, because of because of that, is he a reliever or a starter? I think if Nick Frost was able to stick as a I think either way, it might not worry if you are able to, either way, it won't necessarily matter when you're looking at how to use him this season and you're trying to figure out what's the best thing to do for the 2023 Los Angeles Dodgers, put him in your bullpen, let him eat out of the bullpen. Another guy, and this is going to go towards the, the central races. But you're looking at Connor Phillips of the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are three and a half games back, tied with the Cubs behind Milwaukee as of Monday morning. And one of the big things for the Reds is they did not go and get a pitch, a starting pitcher at the deadline. And you've had injury concerns and absences for Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, and we don't know exactly when they're going to come back. So uh, Connor Phillips, 2020 second rounder out of Juco by Seattle, was moved in one of those many trades between the Reds and, and the Mariners. And 22 starts between AA and AAA this year. 3-3, three and 3-2-8 three, three, ERA in 96 innings pitched. 147 strikeouts, so 13.8 per 9, 251 walks, 4.8 per 9, 10 home runs allowed. Now, the concern here is Connor Phillips was in the AA Southern League, so he had those advantageous baseballs. And there's some things you can see in the lines for AA and AAA that show he's not pitching as well in AAA. The strikeout rate 
in double A was 15.4 batters per nine innings. In triple A, smaller sample size, 30 innings, it's 10.3. The walk rate is significantly higher in triple A. Some of this could just be adjusting to the new baseball, though. That's the hard part of this. We don't know how much is adjusting to the MLB baseball and how much is losing the tacky baseball. We don't necessarily know that. But the ERA is better in AAA. He had a 3.34 in AA Chattanooga. He has a 3.16 ERA in Louisville. So Connor Phillips, the walks are up, the strikeouts are down, but still better than one every inning, and the ERA is down as well. Now, as far as what he throws, fastball, slider, curveball, you'll see a lot of places talk about a changeup, but... He's thrown, what is it? He's thrown 587 pitches in AAA, and there's been one changeup. I'm not even going to really assume that he throws a changeup anymore. The fastball sits consistently 96 miles an hour, and it's probably a 70-grade pitch. It's something where he throws a first strike about half the time. Everybody knows it's coming, and it doesn't matter. They just can't hit it. He has something like a 13% ball-and-play rate on that thing. And it's not barreled up that often. And very, really good fastball. Now, off of that, he's got, and I love when guys do this, he has two breaking pitches in the curveball and the slider with different movements. The slider is mostly horizontal movement, but it does have some drop to it. I'm not going to call it quite two-plane break, because to me, two-plane break is just darting down and away. But it's mostly horizontal with some vertical drop to it. Probably it sits in the mid-80s. And then the curveball is a high 70s, one of those big vertical breaking curveballs. And so different movements, different velocity bands. I've got the slider as better than the curveball. The slider is probably a 60 to me. The curveball is a 55. In AAA, he has thrown the curveball slightly more, like 2% more than the slider. But they're both right there behind the fastball. He's still fastball heavy, 60% fastball. And then... He does have a cutter and a sinker. He's thrown like 40 cutters, 6.5% cutter, 4% sinker, and then literally one changeup out of 587 pitches. And I think he's a guy, provided you're not worried about the walks, and obviously a thing you have to think about, provided you're not too worried about the walks, I think Connor Phillips is somebody that can help Cincinnati down the road. And if you do it well, he can maintain rookie eligibility if he, in fact, is legit and is the guy and he can run for a Rookie of the Year race next year. In just a minute, I've got got two really good defensive center fielders that are an option if there's an injury on their current contending team. We'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Ibotta. If you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue Like, why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? So Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, uh, produce, personal care, pantry goods, so you can make sure, like, no matter what you're buying, you're beating inflation. All you have to do is either link your store's loyalty account or upload your receipt after shopping and you get cash back. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year. That can pay for your summer cookout, whatever it might be. You could use, you could redeem that with one of our sponsors like GameTime to go to a sporting event, whatever you want. And a lot of other apps give you points. And then the points, you have to figure out what to do with them. I bought it, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account. 
You can send it to yourself via PayPal, or you can get gift cards from hundreds of online brands and retailers. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying the app by using the code MLB when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play, download the free Ibotta app, use code MLB, that's I-B-O-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, and use code MLB. Welcome back into Locked in MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. Do us a favor, hit the, if you're on YouTube, hit the notification bell so you get notified whenever a new show comes out. Make sure you like the channel, all that good stuff. We don't ask you to do that a lot, so do us a favor, knock it out real quick. Uh, Okay, so there's a couple contending teams that don't have a need for this guy at the major league level right now, but the first time there's an injury This is the obvious replacement. We just mentioned the Cincinnati Reds in the last segment. Staying in that division, the Chicago Cubs have gotten a renaissance year out of Cody Bellinger. He has played fantastic, not only defensively in center field, he also plays some first base, which is wild to me that you would take a plus defender out of center field and put him at first base, but versatility, it's fine. They're 61-57. They're three and a half games back in Milwaukee, tied with the Reds. If something happens to Cody Bellinger between now and the end of the season. Chicago is in a position where they can call up Pete Crow Armstrong. 2020 first rounder by the Mets uh, and that out of high school. And he was, it's the same school as Harvard Westlake High. So same school that like Max Freed, Lucas Giolito all came from. And it's something where he was traded in the Javi Baez deal, which holy cow, what a win for the Cubs, right? And this year, 83 games between AA and AAA, 287, 376, 533, 17 home runs, 44 extra base hits, 39 walks to 95 strikeouts, and 30 of 38 on stolen bases. Now, 95 strikeouts, 83 games, more than once a game, but I'll remind you, 73 of those 83 games were in the AA Southern League. So he was in pitcher-friendly parks with a pitcher-friendly baseball. In his 10 games in AAA, which, very small sample size, but in his 10 games in AAA, 275, 408, 575. Batting average is down a bit, but the on-base is up, and the slugging is up. Three home runs and six extra base hits in those 10 games. Eight walks to 13 strikeouts. Still striking out just over once a game, but not as egregious as 82 and 73 games like he did in double A. Uh, the thing here is he was like one of the leaders in the entire organization last year for like batting average, hits, runs, stolen bases, all that kind of stuff. And he's primarily a contact hitter. He's not out there to hit a ton of bombs. I'd say he probably has below average power, but it's something where Pete Crow Armstrong has great speed. He's a plus, he's a, a plus speed in the outfield. You can see the stolen base numbers, 30 to 38. And is going to do enough to contribute at the major league level offensively. But the real reason you're looking at Pete Crow Armstrong is he is the best defensive outfielder in minor league baseball. He will immediately be one of the best defensive uh, outfielders in major league baseball the day he comes to the bigs. He has played 627 and a third innings in the minors, and he has four errors. I saw one of them happen in a weird scoring thing. I really didn't think that should have been an error because most guys would have had no shot at getting that ball. He just happened to get to it, unlike 
most players would not have been anywhere near placed to even have a play on the ball. Something where Pico Armstrong is going to give you uh, very highlight reel catches. He's going to get, cover tons of ground in the outfield. And if something happens to Cody Bellinger, you've got defensively a replacement that can plug right in and give you just as good, if not better defense than what Cody Bellinger is giving you on day one. Now, offensively, not necessarily going to hit for power like Bellinger has. He's getting stronger. The exit velocity for PCA are better, but he's not at Cody Bellinger's level because when Cody Bellinger is on, very few guys are at that level. Another guy that is right now not needed at the major league level, but you may see him next year. And if there's an injury, you may see him earlier is Sedane Raffaella of the Boston Red Sox. And I controversially had a show where I said, hey, I'm out on Sedane Raffaella. I'm not going to go through that whole rationale again. I'll link it in the show notes. If you're on YouTube, I'll put a button up right about here so you can uh, click on it and go watch that. But 96 games between AA and AAA for Sedane Raffaella this season. 305, 347, 524. 18 home runs, 48 extra base hits. 22 walks, 289 strikeouts, and 34 of 47 on stolen bases. And the, the reason you don't have Sedan Raffaella up now is, one, he's only played 36 games in AAA. Now, those have been very good games, those 36. Let's do that real quick. 60 games in AA. Here's the stats for comparison. 294, 332, 441. Six home runs in 60 games, so one every 10 games. 18 extra base hits, 14 walks to 55 strikeouts, and 30 to 38 on stolen bases. Sedan Raffaele then gets promoted to AAA. And in AAA, it's 36 games, so it's a smaller sample size. And I think it's still going to correct a bit. But in 36 games for Sedan Raffaella, 324, 373, 662. 12 home runs, so one every three games. And 24 extra base hits. Eight walks to 34 strikeouts, four and nine on stolen bases. Stolen base rate, obviously, success rate went down. Walk rate went down. But home runs went up a lot. And I still think this is a little bit of sample size theater. I don't quite think this is exactly correct. But at the same time, I may have just been wrong on Sedan Raffaella. There's When they signed him for 10 grand out of Curacao, they were hoping for a utility guy. And it's looking, okay, defensively, he could maybe even help you out as a super utility guy at, at shortstop, but uh, he definitely could be a fantastic defender in center field if something were to happen to Jaron Duran, who's playing center field for you. I think that it's, you have Yoshida in left, you have Alex Verdugo in right, uh, Adam Duvall is rotating through between center field and right field. Uh, he is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. If he leaves then obviously you have the ability to plug Raffaella right in there and give you four good outfielders that can play for you in Boston. In just a minute, there's a couple guys that are either going to be injury replacements or going to be promoted once they're healthy. Some power hitting infielders for you, and we'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Football season's about to kick off, and FanDuel's giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, so if you do 
If you go ahead and you place a bet on who will win the Super Bowl at the end of the season, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. You pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every regular season victory of that team. So you can use your bonus bets on spreads, on player props, on over-unders, whatever it might be. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Welcome back into Locked on MLB Prospects. Going over top prospects that could still debut in 2023. And this one's technically cheating because he has had a little bit of time in the bigs. But... Michael Bush of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, it spent a little bit of time up earlier in the year. Didn't really do much. Was sent back down, but has been destroying in AAA Oklahoma City. 82 games in AAA for Michael Bush. 318, 428, 610. 23 home runs. 48 extra base hits. Better than one every other game. 57 walks to 78 strikeouts and 2 or 2 on stolen bases. Absolutely absurd what Michael Bush is doing. To me, the most likely scenario, and they've had a lot of shuffling around in the infield for the Dodgers. He's not going to play short. He, skill-wise, he has enough to be an okay fielder at third, but he doesn't really have the arm. So he's probably stuck at second base. But... And second base is a position on this team that you've had everybody from Max Muncy, Miguel Vargas before he was optioned down play to you've had Mookie Betts come out of the outfield and play second base. And Michael Bush feels like he's your Max Muncy replacement if Max Muncy has to miss time. He's missed time a couple of times this season. If he has to miss more time, it feels like Michael Bush is your guy that can come up and can play second base for you. And plus hitter. I'm sorry, probably above above average hitter plus power. And so it's going to help you with some of the some of the production that Max Muncy would take with him when he went to the injured list. Uh, I do think that his patience is sometimes an issue, like he's waiting for the perfect pitch and it's perfect is the enemy of good. But when he went back to AAA, we saw him get better at understanding that second level of pitch recognition. What is a drivable pitch versus what is uh, a strike or a ball or whatever. He got a little better with that second level where he wasn't as selective on that. So Michael Bush is ready to come up whenever you need him. And again, he's probably your Max Muncy replacement worst something to happen to Max Muncy. And he's going to be playing second base. He could also DH for you, depending on how long JD Martinez is out. And so there's some options there for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then a guy who I think you would have already seen him up were he healthy, is Kyle Manzardo of the Cleveland Guardians. We talked about him around the trade deadline when he was drafted. I'll try to make a note to put that video linked that in here as well. But 2022 second rounder out of Washington State had a fantastic year in 2022, but this year has not looked necessarily like they expected. So Kyle Manzardo's 2022 between high A Bowling Green and double A Montgomery in 93 games, 327, 426, 617. So an OPS of over 1,000 with 22 home runs and 49 extra base hits. Right there, at right over one every other game. This year's looked a little bit different. 73 games in AAA Durham, 238, 342, 442. 11 home runs, 39 extra base hits, 
42 walks, 265 strikeouts, one for two on stolen bases. There are some mitigating factors here. He's been playing through, he was playing through an injury. He started off really hot before he got nicked up. He's finally on the IL. He's been on the IL for a while. And even if he were to come back tomorrow, I don't necessarily think he's going to have time or I don't think the the Guardians are going to be ready to bring him up right away, but they may decide to because if you look at the the division race, they are consistently starting to fall back in that race. They are now four and a half games behind the Twins and I believe they're eight and a half out of the wild card. So if they want to make the postseason, their only shot at making the postseason uh, is to win the division, to catch up to Minnesota. Uh, But so he had the power Another mitigating factor is he does have some family, some personal concerns going on. It's, it's a health issue in his family with a family member he's very close to. And so there, there's mitigating factors here. Uh, but Tampa Bay felt okay with sending out Kyle Manzardo because they drafted uh, Trey Morgan this year, who is very similar profile-wise to what Kyle Manzardo is, as well as they got a very good early season performance from last year's first-round draft pick, Xavier Isaac, the first baseman, the big power-hitting first baseman. And then Austin Shinton emerged this year as a really good option at both third and first. And so they said, we have short-term, medium-term, and long-term options, because the short-term is Yandy Diaz is at the major league level and having a career year. So we have short-term, medium-term, Austin Shinton, and long-term, Isaac or Trey Morgan, we have options to replace Manzardo so we can afford to move him to go get Aaron Savali. It's possible if he comes back healthy sometime soon, they bring him up this year while they're desperate to score more runs so that they can try to catch up to Minnesota. Their run differential is exactly zero because they've only allowed 485 runs, which is one of the lowest figures. I think it's like third or fourth best in the entire American League. But they've only scored 485, which is one of the lower marks in the, I think it's third lowest in the entire American League. So the offense is a problem and they just don't have a ton of power. So if Cleveland wants to contend, that's really their only avenue is to hit, is to get more offensive production in the lineup. Kyle Manzard is a guy who's going to carry a high batting average and has enough power, can drive guys in, can hit some home runs in that ballpark, things like that. Fantastic week this week. If you have a show idea, if you have a question for our Monday Mailbag, tons of ways to get them to us, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, Discord. Best way, though, probably our subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. 